everybody. Welcome to the Career Matters Podcast. This is your host, Nisar Ahmed. If you're joining us for the first time, we focus on career advice for job seekers and freelancers on our site, careermedis.com. And this podcast is an extension of the site. And over the past many episodes, I've interviewed career professionals, career coaches. And this is episode 80, by the way, of the Career Medis Podcast. And this particular episode is part of the Career Expert Series, where I've interviewed career coaches career consultants, people who help other job seekers with their ideas, with their business. I will be asking them questions on how today's job seekers can navigate the job market. And for today's episode, I'm interviewing someone who I've been working closely over the past few months, Eric Bihon. He's also the co-host of the video blog that we run called the Care Vlog, also the co starter or co-moderator of the Facebook group that we have called the Care Club. We'll talk more about that as we go on. And you will, we will be hearing a lot from Eric, but he has written four books. He has been doing this for multiple times. He has helped multiple job seekers with their careers, securing the dream job. So I'm excited. I have lots of questions to ask him. I'm sure you will be excited to hear from him as well. Hey, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Nassar, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I know you and I have been speaking for months, and this is natural for me to invite you over. You've done amazing things for, for the career management world, as we say. Before we get into a little bit about yourself, where are you calling from, Eric? Right now, I'm calling from uh, Chicago, Illinois. It's raining right now and it's super cold, but I'm pretty sure you can definitely relate to, the, to that weather. So beautiful weather here today. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, many people know I'm based in Toronto and people consider Chicago and Toronto sister cities. So we get a similar weather as well. I've had a couple of guests uh, from Chicago but I'm going to put you on the spot for one quick second. Share with us something about Chicago that most people would never know unless they have been there for many years. Uh, the, the, the pizza, that's one of the, the, the biggest things that stand out. Now, I have a, a couple of friends from New York City that may disagree, but when it comes to <laughs> Chicago pizza, I can definitely say it's, it's, it's the best hands, hands down. But even as an extension of the pizza, it's really not that bad. It's a it's a beautiful city, but it's people don't like to come to to Chicago during the winter, right? And I can understand that, especially if you come from the the West Coast. But the the winters aren't as bad as what people think. You know, most people think it's kind of like the movie The Day After Tomorrow when there's a super blizzard, and it can get cold. But even when it's snow around, there you know beautiful artifacts, beautiful people around. It's just the overall atmosphere is, is great. So, you know, if anyone is listening from the West Coast, you can come to Chicago. I'll show you around. Just make sure you have a, a winter coat and some boots. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been there once last year. It's a beautiful city. Uh, only, and, and people are very friendly as well. So that's definitely good to know. So Eric, what I would love to, would love for the audience to know is a little bit about yourself and 
you are a career management expert. I'd love to understand a little bit. Maybe you can take us through a journey, how we got started, how we arrived here as an expert in this field. Okay, great. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. And maybe in maybe 10 to 12 years ago, I actually received my bachelor's degree in uh, information technology. So I am a, a IT geek. So hello to the IT geeks out there. And when I received my first job a year and a half after I graduated, that was the first wake up call because I thought that I was going to get a job right out of college. And that was the first, you know, professional wake up call. But my first job was very interesting. Every year I received a promotion, more responsibilities, higher visibility with regards to my position, which was good. Um, I'm thinking, okay, this is the the best thing since sliced bread. Then November 8th, 2008, I think that's when the reality check really came into play. And that day was a couple of days before Thanksgiving. Well, a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. But I got called into an office after four years and four promotions, and they just said they had to let me go. There was, there was a downsizing. And with me, you know, flying high and mighty, I really didn't have the career maturity that, that, that I have right now. And when I say with career maturity, I didn't have my resume ready. Um, I always thought that I was going to, you know, have a job. There was no way. Uh, on God's green earth that I was going to get let go. And now with that, I was being irresponsible with my money because I always thought that I was going to have a a flow of money coming in based off of uh, me working. But me getting downsized and me putting my box of stuff in in my car was the wake-up call that, that I needed. And the biggest takeaway from that was I'm never going to put my career in someone else's hands. That was the the biggest mistake that I made those four years, right? So after getting downsized, I went through a little little sad moment because like I said, it was a wake-up call. And then it got to a point where I started to have, during my downtime, I started to have all of these thoughts on what I should have done in my career. For example, make sure that my network was always up to par, make sure that I saved money at least make sure I updated my resume every quarter. Just those small little things could have helped me out. And then it got to a point where other people start to come to me for their career advice. And if you're a friend, I'm going to give you the same advice that I want to give myself because we all know when it comes to your career, it's, it's pretty rough and it can be cold sometimes. So I want to give you the best advice, right? So I talked to three different people on three different occasions on the approach that they need to receive to get this new job. It got to a point where the first person that came to me, they got the job. I was curious just to ask them how much were they making? They said $80,000 a year. So I asked the next person who got the job. He told me 90,000 a year. So then I asked uh, my last friend how much she was making. And she told me she was making $100,000 a year. That's when I knew that I have a I wasn't an expert quite yet, but it's to the point where I have a gift where I can help people strategize when it came to their career. So from based off of that came a blog, the blog came a business. So now, you know, I pride myself as an author, speaker, trainer, coach, and just trying to, to, to share my gift with the world when it comes to managing their career. That's actually amazing because one of the common threads with a lot of the guests like you who I had at the show. Their path has always been nonlinear. 
that seems to be the trend now with a lot of people who are really excited about what they do today. And uh, it's good. One of these other things I learned from your story is you turned an adversity into something positive. And all these years later, you're multifaceted, right? You have a blog, you have a speaking career, you write books, and you help others with their careers. So it's amazing. That's a great lesson from turning it uh, for turning adversity into something really positive. Yeah, of course, because everyone in their career, anyone that's listening to this this podcast, you're going to be tested in your career in some way, shape, or form. And it doesn't necessarily mean that something bad is going to happen. You may get a promotion. And based off of that promotion, it's a different level of responsibilities that you have to adhere to. So based off of what you're going through in your career, you know, always ask yourself, what are you becoming? Not what's happening to you. Because based off of the the, the situation or the challenges, it, it puts you in a perspective to come out on the other side a lot better. And, you know, a lot of people go through career challenges but they don't do like yourself or myself and share those experiences with other people. Anyone that's working or even in their business, when it comes to their career, they, they have a story. And that, that story could be lessons for the next person to, to, to learn and to, to absorb. So we all have a story, but I think, you know, we're the, the, the brave ones that put ourselves on the line and put what what's happened to us in our career so we can help others. Not too many people can do that. So for the ones that do like yourself, I, I commend on what you're doing. That is amazing. So one of the things I'd like to ask you is uh, you have been helping people in, in this area for the last many years, last few years. Where do you see the market going today? What, what In your experience and based on what you see, what are some of the top trends? Well, some of the, the top trends that I know aren't, aren't going anywhere. Of course, when it comes to overall technology, technology, actually my wife was, and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. Technology is always going to be a disruptor in any career, specifically to the point where, you know, technology, every time technology evolves, it puts people in positions to lose their jobs. I'm, I'm just going to be very open and honest with anyone that's listening for example, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you was a factory worker, you had no working on an assembly line, you could know for a fact that you can work there for the next 10 to 15 years. Now, the way technology is going, you know, how innovative it's going, it's replacing people. And if people do not up-level their learning or invest in themselves when it comes to, you know, bettering themselves from an educational standpoint, they will be in that crossfire. So that's always been a, a trend that's not going anywhere. But I also want to look at it from the, the, the flip side. One trend that I would love to see more people do when it comes to their career, and I spoke on it just a quick second ago, is investing in themselves and investing in their education to, to learn and to, to do more. For some reason, People are still depending on corporate America to supply them with everything that they need, which is, I feel it's a big mistake just based off of my experiences and me thinking that I'm going to, you know, I've worked here four years and I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. That's so not the case anymore. We both know that the only constant is change, right? And, you know, people 
we understand the concept of, you know, educating ourselves. And I mean, we've done episodes based off of that, right? But I would love to see the trend of people investing in themselves more to better themselves. I would love to see that 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 grow more. And, and let me just say this also, because a lot of people say, well, I don't have the money to go back to school. You don't necessarily have to start there. I, if I'm not mistaken, every library across the United States is free to get the library card. I may be wrong. Maybe it changed in some situations, but I know in Chicago that it is still free to get a library card. So go to the library, take some books out, not only read and study how where you want to go in your career, but also apply that. That costs nothing but but time. But if you are investing that time in your overall growth, regardless of where you go in your career, you will always be a very valuable and marketable person. So like I said, the, the first two things, the technology was always going to be a disruptive trend, but the trend of people jobs, people educating themselves. I would love to see that trend get, get, get more commercialized because for some reason it's, it's like a hidden agenda and a hidden jewel knowing, you know, education does not stop after you get your bachelor's or your master's or your, your PhD. So those are the, the two trends that stand out for me when it comes to, to how people can manage their career. That's an amazing call to action, Eric, because I know you and I have done episodes on this and you're a big proponent of this as well. The, uh, the bottom line is people need to be self-reliant. Uh, even if something happens like 2008 uh, or even the oil crisis that happened in Texas and Calgary a year ago, you need to be prepared. If you are educated, if you're self-educated, if you kick your career in your own hands, you will not be in a position. Even if something happens, you will be able to find something new. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so the next question I have, so we covered the importance of why someone needs to take their career management into their own hands. You started off with telling your story about 2008 uh, and how things have changed. So I'm just curious, has job search changed in the last five years, seven years? Definitely. And well, let me start off on how people think it's still the same, right? Cause and, and that's why I asked people, because people, people still teach teach it the same and treat it the same, but you know better and you have, you have experienced it on the both sides, right? Yeah. Cause I mean, people still have the misconception that they can just go online and, you know, put their resume up and they're going to instantly get phone calls knowing that that's so not the case. I mean, that landscape hasn't been like that for maybe 10 to, to, to 15 years, especially, I mean, of course, you have like Indeed now. Indeed is like the monster of, of this day and, and age where, of course, you know, you can see a job. If you're interested in it, you post your resume and you think you're going to get four or five phone calls instantly. And, and it doesn't work like that. This is an employer's market. You have more people on the outside looking in. What I mean by on the outside is people looking for jobs that they can they can pick and choose. And not only could they pick and choose, but they can also you know, downplay you when it comes to how much you should be making. Because once again, for every one position, there's at least maybe 150 to 200 people applying for that one job. It can be very, very overwhelming. I mean, I've talked to HR directors where they dread trying to find a, a new person from the outside looking in because they know they're going to have to go through tons of resumes and vet them out and things of that nature. So yeah, People, some people's job seekers still have the misconception or they don't understand why they haven't 
receive the phone call back is because they think just applying online is the one thing and the only thing that they need to do. However, let me flip that. I think, and this has been going on for, for, for years and years also, but people still do not understand or grasp the concept of, you know, their jobs out there, their jobs all around, but they're hidden. And what I mean by hidden is they're not posted online. You know, they are, you have people, job seekers getting jobs based off of their, their, their network and the relationships that they have with people. Dare I say, when it comes to, you know, networking and building relationships and things of that nature, you will find a job a lot faster based off of the relationships that you have with people than having, you know, the best resume or the best experience. I mean, people want to, you know, work with people that they know, like, and trust. I know that's an age old slogan, I think from Brian Tracy, but it's still the true today. You know, I would, you know, bring you in because I have a, a good understanding of not only how who you are, not only, you know, what you've done, but also based off of your integrity, based off of how, you know, you would approach a problem, how you would break down a, a, a problem and things of that nature. So anyone listening to this podcast, well, everyone who's listening to this podcast, when it comes to your job search, your, your, your number one asset, it would be the, the, the people that you know in your network. And let me just dig into this a little bit more. And when I say people that's in your network, the, the solid relationships that you have with people, not just the individuals that you saw their LinkedIn profile and you click connect with them and they've connected with you. That's not a relationship. But slowly but surely, continue to build on your network because, you know, you have people, right, for the job seekers right now, you may have, the, your next job may be through you know, someone in your network as opposed to posting your, your, your resume online. So once again, your biggest asset is the people and the relationships that you have with people. So start leveraging those relationships to get the position that you want. Because if you don't, you better believe individuals like myself and everyone else is doing that. So leverage the, the, the people that you know in your network to you know, open up doors for you that you may not be able to open for yourself. Eric, you bring up a very good point. So we're talking about networking, right? And it's it's most people, it is a nerve-wracking thing. So most people know the value of networking, why it is important to reaching out. But for those, let's say the 80%, 90% who are really uncomfortable doing it, uh, what, what, what recommendation would you give them? Any actionable insights, any ideas you can share with them? Sure. I, the biggest piece would be just just help your fellow professional. The the biggest way that you can can build a relationship with someone is is help them. Everybody needs help. I mean, I know we talked about an episode where we talked about asking for help and things of that nature, but everyone has or, or support them in what they're doing. You know, you got to give first. It's a giver's gain world. And regardless if you are introverted or extroverted, everyone, hopefully, everyone has a has a, a giving spirit where you want to help someone, genuinely help them, and want to see them succeed. You put your best foot forward from that perspective. That would be the quickest way for you to build relationships. However, from a, a tangible step also, I think a lot of people may be nervous because they feel that they aren't quote unquote, valuable enough to, to have a conversation and build a relationship with someone. I say that because I was that type of person also. 
And one of the tangible things that, that I had to do was first look at myself and say, hey, I am a very, I bring a lot of value regardless of, of where I go. But then also, you know, you got to step up and, and take the, you have to do what you don't want to do. And, you know, that means go to whether it's networking events or organizations or whatever and, and put yourself out there. It's going to be scary, but it's not as scary as you think. Once you get over on the other side and, you know, if you're not, if you move past the worry of you being rejected and you start to see people accept you for, for who you are and want to, you know, build relationships with you, you'll start to see the, that value. I mean, I understand some people are, are nervous. It can be very frightening. It is. But what's scarier? You you know, just being consumed and not wanting to build relationships with people or not be able to unlock the potential a relationship that you can have with, with someone. I think that's a lot mm-hmm. more scarier because you, you're going to start to play the, the what if game. But I would love for people to, you know, there's value everywhere, regardless if you work in the mailroom or regardless if you are the chief financial officer, you bring some sort of value just based off of how you are as a, as a professional. I will take someone who works in the mailroom who has a high level of integrity and honesty as opposed to a CIO or a CEO who's making a lot of money, but it's unethical and it's, it's something I don't even want to associate with. So like I said, for anyone listening, definitely look at yourself as being a very valuable person. And then not being afraid to, you know, walk up to someone and say, hi, my name is Eric. Well, yeah, say your name. Don't say your name is Eric unless it's Eric. But (laughs) um, say, hi, my name is Eric. You know, can I have a conversation with you? I mean, this, especially when this world, like for me on a personal note, I yearn for connection. I yearn for it. So, and I remember there were times uh, early in my career where I've yearned for connection, but I was afraid to connect with someone. So I, so I was a little miserable because I'm yearning for something that's right in front of me, but I didn't have the will to do it or my fear consumed me. So, you know, like I said, as a takeaway, just look at yourself as a very valuable person that will help from the inside out. And then just take the chance to walk up to someone and, and, and start a conversation. And it doesn't necessarily have to be at networking events, 8 billion people in this world. You can, whether it's in line for coffee or on the bus or whatever the case may be, just take that first step. And if it doesn't work, at least you tried and it can build up a platform for you to, you know, try with the next person. So, I mean, it's, it's not that hard, people. I just, because I would want people to connect because there's so much potential and there's so many opportunities out there with people that you can connect with. So go start connecting. You bring up a good point. So if I can summarize what he just said is, one, the most important thing is fix your mindset. Start believing that you can add value and no matter what position you are in. And the second thing is just reach out. Just reach out to people, as you mentioned, and funny thing, I mean, you and I met because I did a cold email. I think mm-hmm. I found you online and here we go. We have done, we've had multiple conversations. We have started a Facebook group together. We have a video blog and we are doing this interview. So you never know who will, what, what that action will lead you towards. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's easy as one, two, three guys. That is so true. So one thing I wanted to ask you is, so you mentioned about networking, which, and you also gave some ideas 
And in terms of, you did mention that a lot of people still apply online, they submit their resumes. Are, are those things going away or are they, do you think, in, in your opinion, are they still going to be around for the next five, 10 years? I think from a, they, they're still going to be around from a company perspective because I, I can't think of any other tool or strategy where it can get you a mass amount of applicants pulled into one particular place. For example, when at my first job, when I first got promoted, the, uh, the slot for a PC technician opened up. So what we did was we decided to put a, uh, a listing out on Monster, yeah, monster.com, because once again, we really didn't have the time to search individually for individuals. We were looking for a, a strategy where we can identify a large amount of people in the shortest amount of time. Thus, once we put the ad out there for that one PC tech position, it was 300 resumes, 300 submissions. Once again, even though we knew that it was going to be a headache because we had to sort through and spend a lot of time, effort, and energy sorting through those resumes, we knew that we were going to get a large response back. So from a corporate strategy or from the employer strategy, it's not going to go anywhere. Now, maybe it's going to be another platform other than Indeed. You know, like I said, Indeed is the, the, the biggest thing out right now. But that concept is, you know, online. It, it's, it's still going to be here for the next, next couple of years. Once, like I said before, from the employer's perspective, because it's, it's quick, it's fast, because their main goal is to identify somebody as quickly as possible so they can bring them in. Because, I mean, I'm not, super, I'm not an HR professional, but I know for a fact that they spend HR professionals and hiring managers, they spend a lot of time just selecting one person, regardless of their level or of their, their position. It takes time and it takes energy, including the additional tasks that they already have to do. Right. So, uh, but to answer your question from an employer's perspective, it's not going to go anywhere. Now the the technology behind it, for example, how to, you know, seek out the right individuals. For example, even though for 300 people submitted their resume, it, the technology with uh, the algorithms and things of that nature may just help you identify the best 20, right? So even though that 300 submitted the, that, you know, technical gateway, it, it vetted what 280 resume so it gets to the point where even though 300 were submitted here are your best 20 so to speak thus saving them more time more effort and more energy but the underlining concept of job sites and things of that nature it's it's not going to go anywhere I i don't see it going anywhere so what can people do differently then in terms of their resume uh let's say they have done the networking and looks like the resumes cover letters are not going away. Any, can you give us like some type of idea that has worked for your clients that makes them stand out? Yeah, definitely. The, the biggest piece, and, and, and we talked about technology before, because if it's easier to submit a resume as it is to create a brand for yourself, and any client that, that, that I work with, that's one of the things we, we touch on. How can you be not only a job seeker, but how can you become an expert in the field that you're in? That helps stand out. That helps you stand out because, once again, 
more and more people are submitting their resumes. They're going online. They're doing the status quo. But if you are doing things such as writing your position when it comes to whatever, whatever industry that you're in or creating vlogs or creating podcasts or, or, or doing public speaking or writing books, I mean, these are all things that anyone can do, right? But you have a, a small amount of individuals who are job seekers themselves, but they are putting forth their thoughts and creating a, a space for them where not only do their qualifications check out from a resume perspective, but, you know, they are leading the pack when it comes to, to their industry. And what I also say, because a lot of people, when it comes to blogs and vlogs and books and things of that nature, it's always the metrics. How many people are following you? How many books have you written? How many people have bought your books? That's important, but you putting forth that consistent effort will definitely separate you from, from everyone else. One of the biggest things that, like the, one image that I, I, I will, and I'll send it to you. One of the images that I always use as a benchmark for me, it's a you know rainy day and it's about maybe 20 to 30 black umbrellas in this one particular group, right? So if it's all black umbrellas, no one stands out, right? However, in the middle, or I think the bottom right hand side of the picture, there's a colorful umbrella. So instantly you can see that this colorful umbrella is a lot different than the, all of these black umbrellas. I feel that people can, can, like I said, write a vlog or even just give to the easiest thing that you can do. Why you can, you can study your, your, your current industry. So you're not just relying on your past knowledge, right? Because we all know that regardless of what industry that you are in is going to change. They have topics, they have other subject matters, some subject matter experts in that particular field where you can listen to, but then also go on Facebook and share those tips. Do what we uh, did start a uh, community where people who are job seekers and have career challenges can come to us and ask us questions where we can sharpen our skills by helping someone else. But more importantly, we are helping someone else. So just dive in your particular industry. There's plenty of space and there's plenty of opportunity that will doing things, doing tangible things like that will help separate you from the rest of the hundreds and thousands upon thousands of job seekers that are still looking for a job because from a company perspective, I'm going to be more comfortable hiring an expert as opposed to just a regular job seeker, right? So it, it, with the resumes and the cover letters, everybody is doing that. The resumes and the cover letters, that, that's the black, those are the black umbrellas, right? However, you know, sharing your expertise, putting yourself in a position to show people that you are an expert in your, your, your space. That's the colorful umbrella. Those are the actions that will help you stand out. And the more you stand out will put you in a better position to obtain that particular job. Because it's like, I mean, it, it's so easy to do. Just start. Don't get caught up in, okay, I only have three followers. Those are three individuals that look for you for expertise. Hence the word expertise, right? As opposed to people not doing it and then just going back or falling back into the status quo. Well, let me just tweak my resume. Let me just tweak my cover letter. Maybe you need to get from behind the computer and get out there and show individuals 
what you know, what you're made of, and somebody will identify you. So it, it goes more than just what people, people are doing. That's amazing. I love the umbrella analogy. It sticks out. And I'll that's definitely a great... send you that picture. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? I'll add that to the show notes when, when this, this goes live. Uh, Eric, before we wrap up, we have, we're coming to the end of our recording here. Any last words, that you, any piece of advice or any last words that you'd like to share to the audience? I think the biggest thing is, is just, and we, we kind of talked about this before recording, when it comes to your career, know what's important to you. That's, that's the level set. And what I mean by knowing what's important to you, why are you in the industry that you're in and why are you in the field that you're in? For example, there was a, a woman that I just finished coaching where what was important to her was for her to be one of the women in the executive boardroom very straightforward, very personable. And that's the re- that's one of the reasons why she wanted to become a, a VP, even though I know she has the potential to be way past the VP, but she wanted to be in that executive room. She wanted to represent women. That's a, another big piece to show other women that, hey, you can be a woman and be in these executive ranks. That was important to her. So we helped, well, I helped position her to, to get that promotion because it was more tangible and it meant a lot more than just the money. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, the, the, the money that she, she's making now is very nice, but what was important to her was to be a, a woman in that room to, sh- to show other women that, that, that it is possible. And sometimes it may not even be that, that serious of a reason, but everyone has a why what, and what they're doing. Now, you have a lot of people that that drift because they, they are coasting when it comes to their career because they lost sight on what's important to you. But everyone needs to dig in deep and, and figure out what, what, why are they doing what they would want to do. Hopefully it's not always about the money. And the reason why I say that is because the money was the thing that, that drove me, which was a tangible reason. But the, the, the bottom fell out when I lost my, my job because at that point, the only thing that was important to me was making money and I'm not working now and I'm not making any money. What else do I have? Right? So one of the, the, the common threads that I hear people say what's important to them. And I'll say that about myself also is being able to, to, to provide for not only for myself, but to provide for, for my family, which is they're the most important thing in, in my life, but everybody has a why. So anyone that feels like they've, who's listening to this podcast and felt like they're drifting in some way, shape or form, go, go back to your roots, go back to knowing what was important to you and use that as a, as a springboard. Because like I said earlier in this podcast, they're going to, everyone's going to endure some career challenges and you having a solid foundation on what, 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 what's important to you will help pull you through those, those trying times that'll help pull you through when you are, at a, at a networking event and you don't, you're so afraid to talk to someone. Well, that person that you may be afraid to talk to may be, you know, an angel investor that's looking to give money away to their next business. So having that, that foundation on knowing what's important to you is very important. So guys, if you don't know what that is, I, I implore you to, to dig deep and, 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 and find that for real, because that's the foundation of what will make, at the end of the day, that's the foundation of what will make you happy in your career. Because it's all about, you know, being happy regardless of 
where you are in your career, what challenges you are facing, that that happiness and that determination will 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 pull you through. I mean, I know it's done that for us. So, I mean, I hope I can take that piece of my life and and give that to you so you guys can understand and uh, discover what's what's important to you. That's an excellent wrap up. Thank you very much for those kind of, those motivational words there, Eric. It's, it is a pleasure. You shared a lot of amazing ideas. I'm sure myself, I enjoyed it. I'm sure the audience really gets a lot from listening to this as well. Thank you, Eric. No, no. Well, first, I appreciate that. But then also, you know, thank you. Like, like I said, how we met, you approached me and I was so, you know, intrigued and amazed by your platform. And even like what you're doing with this podcast, this is episode 80. So you've, you know, spent a lot of time, effort and energy to, to get to this point, sharing not only your experiences, but also sharing the experiences of your guests. So as an example and a testament to, to you, you, you are, and I know we've gone back and forth with this, but you are an expert because you are sharing, you know, your uh, a side of, of you and a side of your guests that, you know, some people may not, may not ever see. And there's no telling the, the inspiration and the motivation and the, the drive that you've given people based off of these episodes. So no, I thank, I thank you. Oh, thank you very much for those kind words. I really appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Career Expert series of the Career Matters podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Eric's uh, website. And if you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you. <music>